Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Today's episode of 4 to 6 with A and B is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. Uh, the plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to another episode of Four to Six with A and B. This is Bill Landis here, as always, with my main man Ari Wasserman. I I gotta tell you, man, like I I, I the the amount that I miss you is is growing in a way that's making me uncomfortable. I know. I mean, I. Uh, but you miss everybody. It's not just me. You miss all human interaction. I just miss and talking just like, to another human. I'm like, I love my girlfriend very much, and we're stuck in the house together. And I couldn't ask for a better person to be stuck in the house with. But I would love to talk to another person. Like, yeah. Well, good news for uh, good news for you, and good news for me, and good news for everybody else. We got an hour. Yeah, but you're not here. You can't. I can't give you my condescending tone in person. You do it every podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, but it doesn't it do, I don't get the same satisfaction out of it. I don't. Yeah, get, you don't, I don't get to see, my I don't get to see you like slam your fist on the table and <laughs> be taken aback by, by by my tone towards you, and then like yeah. act all stuffy about it. Yeah, I miss. I miss yeah, I mean, it's weird. Yeah, it's well, weird maybe you can go uh, light it on a little bit heavier this time, just to compensate for it. We'll see. I think I think we're going to hit some topics maybe that that could lend itself to that as we go through this episode. We're going to talk about the most interesting responses we found in the fan survey we put out last week on the Athletic. We put the survey out last week. The results ran earlier this week. I had over a thousand responses. Really appreciate everybody who took the time to vote. And if you haven't read it, you can go read it. It's on the Athletic. Uh, we're going to hit the most interesting ones there. The spring game was supposed to be this weekend, this Saturday. At, in Ohio Stadium, obviously it's not happening, but I think as a nod to that and, and the fact that they would be splitting up the roster and we're not the only ones doing this, I think a lot of people have been doing it because it's a kind of a fun exercise, we're going to do a mini spring draft. You and I are going to go 10 rounds and uh, we'll set some ground rules for that and I think it'll be a fun way to talk about the roster and like where we think Ohio State is as it goes through this kind of weird offseason. So we'll get to that at the end of the pod. I want to remind everybody, if you missed last week's episode, we had a really fun interview with Eddie George. I think Ari and I really, really enjoyed talking with Eddie. Hit a lot of different topics. Most importantly, uh, the proper way to order a cheesesteak in Philadelphia, and, and Eddie nailed the answer. But some other stuff about his career at Ohio State, some of the things he's doing now, 
like all of us to try to try to fill his time and, and find ways to adjust. So we enjoyed that. If you're listening to this now in the athletic app, it'll just sort of play right away after that. So you can kind of just stay tuned and it'll pick right up. If you're listening to it somewhere else, it's just the last episode. So go back one episode. You can listen to that interview interview with Eddie. It's right off the top. It's about 30 minutes long. And I think you guys will, will enjoy uh, what Eddie had to say about his perspective on his career and a bunch of other things too. We had a good time with it, but let's get into the survey. Ari, I'll let you choose where we start because you were fired up. I think about, about a lot of these answers, but We'll let you pick where we, where we go first with the responses from the survey. Which one caught your eye the most? Well, I think that the, the way that you ordered it um, makes a lot of sense um, because this is an uh, Ohio State podcast, and this is a pretty good way of talking about the future and current positioning of the program. Um, and the question was, with Ryan Day as coach, I feel Ohio State's chances of winning our a title are blank as they were as Urban Meyer. So more likely, just as likely, somewhat more likely, somewhat less likely. You get it. And the number one choice or response was just as likely, 59.7%. Uh, somewhat more likely was 30.5%. So that means that almost 90% of the fan base thinks that it's just as good or better than it was when Urban Meyer was the head coach. And I think that is a very interesting way of kind of understanding and feeling like what the um, fan base feels in terms of the direction of this program. And I think. Uh, coming off of a playoff year and coming off a tough loss against Clemson, but getting a chance to see Ohio State against the best of the best um, gave people more confidence. But I thought that that was a very interesting thing, and I wonder um, if it was 90% now, like what that percentage would have been like a month after Urban Meyer was replaced by Ryan Day. Yeah, it would have been fun to do it then. Because there was a sentiment, I think, that one of the questions we asked is, is, did you think Ohio State had to make a coaching change? And it was it was worded kind of tricky because I think it came off as saying, like, Ohio State got rid of Urban Meyer, and that wasn't the case. It was just like, did you think the program needed some new leadership or, or, or a fresh leadership after the 2018 season? And the, the winning answer was no, but it was a close vote. And I think there was a lot of sentiment when this change happened uh, a little over a year ago that – Ryan Day was somehow better suited than Urban Meyer to take the program forward, and I don't necessarily agree with that. And we talked a lot about that, and I can't remember exactly what I said, so maybe I'm being contradictory. But I think Ohio State would be pretty good right now if Urban Meyer was the head coach too. I was surprised that one, like far less likely, didn't get any votes. So people are pretty confident in Ryan's day, Ryan Day's ability to to take Ohio State forward in a similar way to Urban Meyer. But I thought thirty percent somewhat more likely to win a national title with Ryan Day than Urban Meyer was a little higher maybe than I would have guessed. Was that higher for you too? Yeah, I thought just as likely would have been the most popular answer, mm-hmm. and it was, but I thought that might be in the 70 range, and then somewhat more likely might be in the 15 to 20% range. So, like, the idea, and too, like, the fourth most popular answer was much more likely, 3%. So that's 93%, and much more likely is, like, a crazy thing to say because how is that even possible? Because you can't be much more likely to win a national championship when Ohio State was in the playoff discussion at the end of every season for all se- all five years or whatever it's been in place since he was the head coach. Um, but what I do like to think sometimes too is like I do think Ohio State would have absolutely made the playoff last year if Urban Meyer were the head coach. And if you go back and you and you look at it for the the transition that Ohio State made from one of the best coaches of all time, a Hall of Famer and somebody who won a national championship in the last four years at Ohio State and Urban Meyer to a first-year head coach who was 40 years old and never been a head coach before, 
um, there was very little pushback at the time. And I wonder if part of that was the controversy that Urban Meyer went through earlier on in the year or what it was. But people have been on the Ryan Day train since before he ever coached. Maybe it was because he got those three games in as the head coach in the interim status the year before. But, you know, considering the fact that at most places in college football, when a legendary coach moves on or there's a firing or a hiring or whatever, there's a lot of transition. There's a lot of change. And I think a lot of times when you've seen the best programs in America take dips um, in terms of their productivity, it has everything to do with a coaching change or something that happened off the field. So for Ohio State to continue on and move this and what should have been a, a pretty major or drastic change, um, the fact that people think it's more likely or just as likely, I think, is a minor miracle that Ohio State finds itself in this position. And maybe that's just the case that Ryan Day happened to be waiting in the wings the same way that Urban was in 2012 when they needed to find a replacement for Jim Trestle. But I, like we always joke about on this podcast, it's like Ohio State made a deal with the devil because I don't think they could have found anybody you know, as um, likely to get these types of results than Ryan Day, who happens to fit the description of like where the game is trending in terms of like youthful offensive minds that know how to run a program before traditionally that's been the case in the past. There's a little bit of, of a, of a honeymoon thing going on here too, I think. And, and, and it's deserved because they were so good in this first year. Like the, the approval rating was through the roof. The highest you could give it was a five. It was overwhelmingly a five, nothing lower than a three. And I think the three had like one vote. Um, state of the program was very high. The thing that was a little lower, in comparison to those things was what do you think of Ryan Day as a game day coach? Those fives were, I think it was like 75% of the vote was was a five when when the other questions were about 90% or more were five votes. And I thought that was interesting that, that people, at least from these results from a, from a thousand people we're using as a sample size, feel like there's some, something left to be desired there from Ryan Day on, on Saturdays. And maybe that's just the Clemson loss coming into the equation a little bit, although I, I thought that would be coach a pretty good game there. Not to interrupt you, Bill, but wouldn't that be the thing that you would think people would rate the highest? If you would have asked me before the season, like we're going to present these two questions to people, what are they going to feel more secure about, like recruiting and trajectory of the program or Ryan Day's game day prowess, I would have said game day prowess. I would have said game day prowess before the survey last week. It's hard because of the recruiting run they're on right now. Like we asked it in the middle of them getting like – four very highly rated prospects at a time when no one's really supposed to be recruiting all that well. So maybe including that a five star too. Yeah. Including a five star running back that they desperately need it. But I agree with you. I would, I would have said game day. Like if we were, if we weren't asking that in the middle of a hot recruiting run, I think I would have assumed game day prowess would have won as well. Well, the reason why I think that too, and, and again, I think that if we ran this survey and I think this is probably something we should have said before we went into it, but I think if we ran the survey after the week after they lost a game or the week after something bad happened or, you know, whatever, a week after a 10 and two season that these cha- these questions, if you keep asking the same questions, would get different responses because I just think people by human nature mm-hmm. um, vote and react to what they're thinking at the time. And as you know, in this business, recency bias is a very um, big thing. Like, I mean, I just like the fact that. Joey Bosa didn't get as much love in the survey for favorite player as I would have thought. I mean, he's the best player I've ever seen, but because Chase Young was here more recently, that's what people remember. So, like, it's just these responses are interesting, but sometimes I feel like they're just hinted with what's happening right now. Um, And that's kind of tough. But, like, in terms of, like, Ryan Day as a game day operator, like, 
I don't know if we looked this up at all, but like, has Ohio State ever gone an entire season without even coming close to losing? Like, I thought like the fact that Ohio State avoided upset that they've that they had the previous two years was a good mark, but they weren't even close to being upset, and they had offensive uh, wrinkles every week. And like Ohio State, I thought was for the most part playing its best football every week. Um, you know, maybe the Penn State game, you got a little bit too conservative, which we argued about after that game, the week after that game. And maybe he shouldn't punt it at the end of the Clemson game, and people are mad about that. But, like, I don't know if there's any real decision that he made all year where you and I could sit here and go, yeah, that was a big mess up. I don't think there is. Uh, I thought for the most part it was it was pretty good. The, the Penn State game, I, I thought in the, in the moment, definitely drew a lot of criticism. I was sort of on the other side of that. I thought the game plan against Clemson was good. And I know they were down against Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game, but they were also dealing with an injured quarterback. Like I, I thought for the most part all year that the, the, the Saturday decision-making was, was pretty good, pretty spot on. I, I think exactly what you wanted it to be if you were one of those people who thought Ohio State was getting a little stale in its game planning and, and decision-making on Saturdays. Like I, I thought if you, if you were looking for improvements in that, you got it sort of across the board on both sides of the ball. So I was a little surprised to see that number was only 75% when everything else was was so overwhelming. And I mean, that's still overwhelming, but everything else was was even more um, highly rated than that. Um, let's move on to another question. Am I going in my order, or do you want to pick one now? You go in your order. Okay. My next one, I think, this is a good, I think we asked them in a good order because they kind of all piggyback off of each other a little bit. Um, but I have an order here. Um, that I want to go. Do you believe the expectations for Ohio State every year should be playoff or bust? Which I think is a very good thing to ask right after um, we talked about whether or not Ohio State fans feel they're more or less likely to win a national championship than when Urban Meyer was the head coach. And 90.4% said yes. 9.6% said no. And I think that is a definitive proof right there in terms of how urban Meyer has changed the wiring of the brains of the fan base. And I've gotten a lot of flack over this over the years, but I've I've been saying that it's playoff or bust ever since the playoff became a thing. And there were still a lot of people out there that would say beat Michigan, big 10 champions, successful season Rose bowl. And now that Ohio state had a season like that two years ago, and they beat Washington in the Rose Bowl, like, I don't know that that was quite as fulfilling. Like, I, I would I would argue, and I, I wonder how fans would would think, or I wonder what you think about this, Bill, but I would argue that Ohio State season this year, win over Michigan, Big Ten champion, crushing loss in the playoff, is a far more successful season than winning the Rose Bowl. Even though the first two steps of both seasons are the same. I I would agree with that. I think I would agree with that. I don't know far far more. I think you always have to, you always have to end it on a win, obviously. And and the Rose Bowl season two years ago was a little different because like it was Herbert Meyer's last game, and like he got to go out on a win. So it's a little hard to put that in context, I think. But so, but on a on a base level, I would agree. I think I think you'd rather get to the playoff even if you lose than win you know a non playoff bowl game to close your season. I would I would hope. Most Ohio State fans would agree with that, and maybe they don't. I know you put like Twitter stuff out on Twitter during the season, maybe about what the expectation should be, and the results were a little different than this. But ninety percent saying that it's playoff or bust, I would agree with that ninety percent because playoff or bust means that you're competing for the Big Ten anyway, so that's sort of removed from the equation. Like national championship or bust, I think would be unrealistic. 
but, but that's unrealistic for anybody, I think, even yeah, Alabama or Clemson. Yeah, yeah. And so playoff or bust to me, I think, is is a realistic expectation. But I also I also don't think that it automatically means, and maybe I've said this before, I don't think your season is automatically uh, unsuccessful just because you didn't get to the playoff. Like I think two years ago was a successful season, even though during it it felt like hell and you didn't end with a play. Like I don't know how you could label winning the Big Ten and winning the Rose Bowl anything other than a good season. But there's something better out there for sure. There's degrees. Solid is how I would put it. Yeah, solid. Yeah, solid. I think is good. But the expectation should be that this program, as it's currently constituted in its own conference, should be playing in the first Saturday of December for a Big Ten title. And then if you're in that game and you have one loss or fewer, then you're in playoff contention. And I think that should be the expectation. But that's not what the results of the poll were. And I guess this is different because I think people care more about beating Michigan than winning the Big Ten. But I did ask in the middle of the year multiple times. Would you rather make the playoff and lose to Michigan or beat Michigan and miss the playoff? And way more than 10% of the people said beat Michigan. So I don't know if that's a caveat or that changes the entire chemistry of someone's brain when they're answering this question. Mm -hmm. But as you can see, now that it's over with, Ohio State's coming off a close playoff loss. I think that the morale of the program is higher as a result of the loss to Clemson, even more so than it was after some of the bowl wins that they had that were non-playoff games, even during the Urban Meyer era. Then I'm not even talking about the Rose Bowl because that was a interesting circumstance because that was Urban's last game. But like to me, like I don't know that I necessarily agree with the fact that you want to end your season on a win. I think that sometimes ending it on a loss in this new climate and this new system is good. Like, as, as heartbreaking as that loss was for Ohio State fans, I think the morale and the excitement for the future of this program has never been higher, um, even maybe in the last seven years when Urban Meyer was the head coach. I think the the recruiting wins are happening. Um, they have a, a good mind and a solid group of assistant coaches on this team. They're acquiring talent at a high level. Um, they play in a conference where nobody's acquiring nearly as much talent, and the idea is that they should be in the playoff every year. And I think that this sentiment and the results of this exact question would be completely different if Ohio State beat Oregon in the Rose Bowl this year. Like I think that the fact that they played in the in the playoff has a vast um, impact on the way people view this. Well, they have a reason to be excited. I, I think you kind of touched on a good point there. Like I, even though they lost to Clemson, you can look at that as a step. Like the program went through a bit of a transition. It changed its head coach. I think most people view it as as this is ushering in a new era under Ryan Day. And in that first year, they were undefeated in the regular season. They killed everybody they played. They beat Michigan. They won the Big Ten title. They got to the playoff. And they lost a close game against a good team where there are things you can point to as like valid reasons for why they would lose. It wasn't like an inexplicable loss. And I think because of that, you get excited. I mean, you view it as a stepping stone. And, and that's why maybe this this answer came back the way it did. I wonder about like if you were if you were an Oklahoma fan and you've been in the playoff the last few years and you just can't get over the hump, would you rather be in a position where you keep getting to the playoff and keep losing? or would you rather just go to a at some at some point, would you rather go to a New Year's six bowl game that doesn't have playoff stakes, but you win? And your season ends on a win. I, th- I wonder if the if the calculus gets changed at all there or the mindset gets changed at all there because at a certain point you get tired of ending your season on a loss even if you are one game away from playing for a national championship. I think you want to be on the stage every year no matter what. That's my opinion. Like, I have no idea how some fans get to a point where they're like, I'd rather go play in the Rose Bowl and play a team that Ohio State or my favorite team or whatever it is that you, whoever it is that you root for has a better chance to win rather than being on the stage. 
I mean, being eight quarters away from a national championship game is a pretty awesome thing. Obviously, what just happened to Oklahoma was the worst case scenario because they got completely embarrassed on the national stage. But that hasn't been the case for them in the past. I mean, they had some chances to win games um, in the playoff with Baker Mayfield and stuff. So, like, I mean, LSU, some people think it might be one of the top five best teams in the history of college football. I don't know where you stand on that, but what they did this year was remarkable, and maybe this was just their year no matter what. But, like, if, if I had to pick losing in the playoff 10 years in a row or winning the Rose Bowl 10 years in a row, I would pick losing in the playoff 10 years in a row. You were, yeah, you're wired that way. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not quite wired that way, but I, I think I would, I think I would rather be on the stage than not. But I also appreciate the fact that there is a segment of the fan base, and probably like a, of the Ohio State fan base and of the college football fan base in general, that does still appreciate a good bowl win and is content with its season ending in Pasadena with your team winning the Rose Bowl. And that means that there's a segment that that still means a lot too. Maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's not. I have no idea. So I don't. I don't want to sit here and tell you that like if you think that you're wrong because who am I to tell you how you should you know appreciate the team that you love and and calibrate your fandom. I'm not. I don't think either one of us is in a place to tell people that. But from a personal standpoint, I think I'd rather be on the stage every year than not. And obviously you would too. And I it, from at least the majority of the people that we surveyed in this, it, it seems like a lot of them would prefer that as well. I think the best part about being a fan is that one month build up to the playoff. You know, you get in in early December, then you have you have thirty days to kind of revel in the idea that you're one of the four best teams. And I think that's the peak of fanhood. Now, obviously, you want to get to the point where you're winning a national championship and you're wearing the undisputed shirts and all the things that come along with winning a national championship. But the whole part of rooting and watching and you know being engaged with the team is to see them compete at the highest level. So, the idea of me. And again, I'm wired the way you said. I'm, I'm a little bit different, but you know, you gotta also take into account you too like shiny that, things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but sure. Um, I uh, just like people that are now going through college, and nobody in who's currently enrolled in college from a four year degree uh, who enrolled right after high school um, has ever seen an era where there is no playoff. So every single year moving forward, the Rose Bowl becomes more and more obsolete because of the system that has been put in place. It doesn't mean that mm-hmm. it's not a special bowl. It doesn't mean that it's not a beautiful city or a beautiful stadium or the San Gabriel Mountains are, uh, aren't beautiful when they turn purple during halftime. But I think the segment of Ohio State's fan base that views the Rose Bowl as the pinnacle um, is just changing. And, you know, this I'm not saying anything new. People know that. Um if you're 50 or 45 or, you know, in that certain age range where growing up as a kid, that was the Mecca, then of course that's the way you're going to view it. But now with the way that this whole thing is set up, you want your program to achieve the highest level. And I think Ohio State season, despite the fact that it ended so terribly for them um, in terms of what a should have, could have, um, I think was a very, very successful season. And we were saying playoff or bust before the year started, but I think Ryan Day exceeded expectations on every front i agree where are we going next okay so now that we went from playoff or bust and we were breaking down successful seasons now let's go down to would you prefer michigan be better to make the rivalry more competitive no 60.1 percent of the people said and yes 39.9 percent of the people said so obviously there's a segment of the fan base that just enjoys beating michigan no matter what at any cost um but 
the rivalry isn't as fun as it used to be. Like, let's just call it what it is. Going into a, a year where the team just cannot beat you. I mean, the whole point of it, the whole... I mean, people remember the 10-year war. They watch documentaries about it on HBO, and they feel warm and fuzzy inside. The fun of it is going into the game not knowing who's going to win. And when you do win, you have ultimate bragging rights. Like, beating Michigan for Ohio State fans isn't even fun anymore. Um, But I do believe that this is the way I thought it would come back. I don't think people ever want... I think they would rather beat Michigan when it's down as many years as they can in a row rather than deal with the pain of losing. So, I mean, I was not surprised by this. What did you think? I thought the 40% yes was high. I, I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing. If you put this question out like in a Twitter poll, I think you would get like 80% no or maybe even 90% no. And it's a different environment, I think, on Twitter because people can get caught up in their emotions a little more in that. And this was... This is the home site. of long-form journalism here, Bill. Yeah, right. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's a different <laughs> it's, it's a different environment, it is, it is. I think, to, to like think about these kind of things. Uh, but even with that, I thought that 40% of the people we surveyed admitting that they would prefer Michigan to be better to make it more competitive was at least 20 percentage points higher than I would have guessed it be. I, I would have guessed this came back at least 80-20 in favor of no, and, and that it was 60-40 closer to a, to a middle split. Uh, well, it was surprising to me. No, no, being the winner was obvious. Um, I, I actually thought of all the answers we got that this being 40% yes was the most surprising one to me. Well, here's the thing. I, I think I agree with that, but we're at the point now, and I wrote this after the Michigan game, where this rivalry might be broken. And like one of the best things about being an Ohio State fan is being able to claim that you have the best rivalry in college football. It's like the pageantry of playing in this game. It's the distance between the two schools. It's everything that comes along with this. And every single year when we're covering this game and the week leading up to the game, and everybody's asking questions about why is this the most special game in the world and what is about Woody and Bo means to you, and all the same groups of 25 questions that we hear over and over and over again, it doesn't exist anymore because people aren't feeling as connected to the old world of this game that they used to. And I think there's a lot of people that probably just want to feel the connection to the game again, because I think it's like if this goes on for another five, ten years, and right now I don't see an end in sight. Um, Michigan has seven commitments in their um, 2021 recruiting class, and three aren't even in the 1, 000, top 1,000 players in the country. Like what? Like when is this going to change? I think people just want it to be competitive. There was another question we asked in, in relation to this: was Do you think? Will the next Michigan coach to beat Ohio State be Jim Harbaugh or somebody else? And I don't have the answer directly in front of me, but the overwhelming answer was somebody else. And I think there are a lot of Ohio State fans who are maybe in the same boat that you are, that that something needs to change here, and maybe it's the head coach for Michigan, which is, I think, on the Ohio State side of it, not a crazy thing to say, but on the Michigan side of it, I think maybe a little more of a polarizing thing. It was 65% said somebody else, 35% said Jim Harbaugh. I think the idea that Jim Harbaugh is not the right man to beat Michigan is an obvious thing on on the Ohio State side of it and a less obvious thing on the Michigan side of it for some people because he has been overwhelmingly successful from a wins and losses standpoint. He's winning 10 games a year, and that's pretty good, but he's not beating his rival. And Ohio State fans are looking at it and saying, like, it needs to be somebody else. And meanwhile, 40% of them would like to see Michigan be better to make this rivalry something different than it's been the last four or five years, with the exception of 2016. And it's just like an it's an interesting juxtaposition, I think, of how Ohio State views Michigan and how Michigan fans themselves view Michigan. And and I I still can't wrap my head around like what Michigan's supposed to be. I would have voted Harbaugh. How would you have voted? 
I think I would have voted somebody else. I, I believe I said after Ohio State beat Michigan again this year that I don't I don't know if Jim Harbaugh knows how to coach in that game. I, I just think 2016, notwithstanding, like they almost won that game and maybe they should have won that game, especially the last two years, I think he's been totally outclassed on both sides of the ball. And well, I just this is, don't know how he gets that back in a world where he's already operating from a talent disadvantage. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. But the, the question, I guess, and neither of us cover Michigan, and we don't have relationships with people in the uh, administration side of things up there in Ann Arbor. But like the idea of how long do you think Harbaugh is going to be the head coach there? Because I think based on the way that um, the program and its fans react um, to losing the way that they lose to Ohio State, I think he'll be there for a long time because people don't seem to give a shit up there. Um, and if they don't, then how long is it going to be before they actually feel like they need to make a change? And like if Harbaugh is the coach at Michigan for another 15 years, which I think is a, is like a real possibility because I don't know that he's going anywhere, then how could you possibly think that Ohio State's going to go 21-0? and Which is why I think I would revert right. back to Harbaugh because I don't see him leaving. If if you think yeah, if you think he's going to be there for a decade, then obviously you have to pick him because I don't think Ohio State is going to keep winning for a decade. Maybe they will, but I wouldn't pick that because I don't want to sound like a crazy person. Um, I don't I don't know if he is as long for Ann Arbor maybe as as you think he is. I don't I, I just don't think you can get your ass kicked by Urban Meyer and then like the new guy comes in and you keep getting your ass kicked. And at some point that has to matter. And unless my view of what Michigan should think of itself as totally off, and maybe it is because I don't really have any footing in, in Ann Arbor or any history with the Michigan program. I just think it should be a little better than it is right now and should be more competitive with Ohio State, and it's not. And if I, by my standard, I would, I just can't see a world where that guy keeps rolling his team out there in, at the end of November every year and getting destroyed. And now you see why I have this weird passion about arguing with Michigan fans about you know everything from talent to coaching because I don't understand it either and I personally think that Michigan should be demanding better and like when you said that he's been overwhelmingly successful like I don't know that I would categorize it that way either like I don't think 10 games a year is overwhelmingly successful they're paying the guy the third most the third highest salary in college football I mean what is he making over eight million a year now Mm-hmm. Lifetime contract rumors and all this stuff. It's like lifetime contract. The guy hasn't won the Big Ten. He hasn't been in Indianapolis once. I mean, how long does that go for? But again, it's just about whether or not the uh, expectations are the same in Michigan as they are at Ohio State. And I think at times you and I get into our Ohio State bubble. I'll admit that I do all the time in terms of like expecting things from other programs that Ohio State would expect. And maybe the answer is Michigan is in its wheelhouse winning 10 games a year. And if it goes to Indianapolis twice every 10 years, then they're successful. But even then, that hasn't happened. So, yeah, it's just a matter of what they want. Um, But I think this is a nice segue into the next thing. And um, the next thing is who is your favorite coach of all time at Ohio State, speaking of programs and being led. Um, And Urban Meyer won that um, question, you got 40% of the vote. And I'm trying to find the results of that. One second. I have it right here. Urban was 40%. Trestle was 35%. And the separation between them was, I believe it was fewer than 30 votes. Uh, Woody Hayes was 14%. Ryan Day was 7%. And then Cooper and Bruce were less than 1%. But at least I got votes. Okay. Well, what was the most surprising thing about this to you? 
because mine was Ryan Day got seven point seven percent. Yeah, that was. Uh, I don't know what that was about. That's that's. Uh, I mean, I get it. He's done. A, he did a good job in his first year. I can understand why you'd be excited about him. And like the first half of the survey was talking about how great Ryan Day is, but. Let's be honest here. How could he possibly be your favorite coach of all time? Is it because he's the only one on the list uh, who hasn't been fired yet? Like I, maybe maybe that's what it is. Um, or like Urban wasn't fired, but Urban's career ended with similar kind of controversy that I think maybe in other circumstances might have gotten him fired and didn't. And Ryan Day at the moment is the only one of those guys who either didn't lose his job or is squeaky clean. So maybe that's why he got that high of a vote, but I, I don't really understand that. Uh, I thought Trussell would have won. I know urban urban is the more recent one. And, and you have to take that into account the, the recency bias of it. Um, just seemed like from being around this program, as long as I have that, like Jim Trestle is like, even for how his tenure ended is very much beloved. And um, I don't know if beloved is the way I would describe urban Meyer respected um, idolized. I think Right in a lot of ways, but beloved, I think I would put that more on Trestle or maybe even Woody than I would on Urban. So I thought I thought the Trestle would have won. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, I don't know that he would have won. I think that he is the one that the fans. Well, I mean Woody too, but probably in the most recent era of Ohio State football, fans remember the most fondly. But I also think that's also part of the case is that it's been, um, almost a decade since he left. So um, I think the more time that goes by when somebody leaves in controversy, um, the more easy it is to remember fondly. Like Urban Meyer is um, remembered as a complicated legacy, but it's just like Woody Hayes punched an opposing player in the throat (laughs) on national television. So like, and I don't know that that is the first thing that people talk about when they remember Woody. So like, I think in 20 years, uh, when people are looking back at Urban Meyer, that he will have a different legacy than he does right now because it's still so fresh. But, like, to me, um, Trestle changed the rivalry because he's the one who started the Michigan dominance. And at a time during which um, Ohio State was so used to having wonderful, amazing, stacked teams lose to that team, um, Trestle kind of righted the ship. He won a national championship in year two. Um, he had a lot of the most iconic players on the team or um, in program history. Um, and as a tease, uh, Landis and I will be kind of revisiting some of those players because we're going to be doing a list um, this week or next on um, best players to ever wear jersey numbers um, at Ohio State. So look out for that. But um, I think Urban Meyer has changed the wiring of the fans' brain. Like they took a he took a good program and made it an elite one. Um, he made Ohio State a top three program in America, and it's not a debate. He changed the way that recruiting is done here. He changed the way people viewed success. Um, and he changed the bar for what the next coach has to do, which is what makes Ryan Day's job so difficult. And, you know, maybe I'm falling victim a little bit to recency bias uh, right now because that's the coach that I covered for the largest majority of my career. And largest majority is redundant, but you get it. Um, I, I think that. You know, he's just one of the best coaches of all time. And when you put that list together of all time and Urban's names on that list, I don't know that any other Ohio State coach is on that list in terms of the top 15. Do you? I mean, maybe Jim Trestle, but I, I don't know. Maybe Woody. I don't know. I mean, Urban, Urban's like top five all time, I think. Right. Like elite of the elite. I think if you did a list of 
And let's, I don't know, I don't remember, what was our number on that ESPN list, like 40-something? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember what the criteria lower. for that was different, though. I don't even know what that was. That. Yeah. I don't, like, Urban Urban is in a different category than anybody else. Like, Woody is an all-time great, and he's a legend, and, like, he's an old-school kind of legend, and he won, what, he won five national titles um, at a different time. Urban, it's like Nick Saban, Bear Bryant, Urban Meyer, like, these are the kind of guys that are in those conversations. So it's a, it's just a different kind of air I think that Urban operates in than anybody else who's coached at Ohio State, but I don't think Trestle and Woody are far behind. Like if there's a second rung to that, I think both those guys are on there. And I just thought there was something about I thought there was something about Jim Trestle, and this is from just observing it from afar while he was here, and then sort of just absorbing it since I've been here. The way people talk about him, I felt like people connected to Trestle more, like as a person. Then maybe they could connect. Urban Meyer is very larger than life. I don't know. Like, was, did Jim Tressel ever feel larger than life? And I don't know. I, like that to me made me think that Tress would have won this, um, and it was close. And maybe if you know, if we asked it again five years from now, maybe Tressel would win because you're just a little farther removed from Urban. But I was yeah. I was slightly surprised that Tressel didn't win. Well, I also think that you have to take into account that Urban is the most famous coach Ohio State's ever had at the time. Mm-hmm. And like Trestle was a big time deal. Like I'm not acting like that's not the case, but Urban Meyer, if you like went around the country and polled a million random people and you asked who's Jim Trestle and who was Urban Meyer, like I think that Urban Meyer would have double the results of Trestle. Yep. You know, even the non I mean he he's a recognizable name just in the world. So like I think that, that also takes um a factor into it. And, you know, I, I just think that when you think of where the program is today, it's kind of hard to imagine what Ohio State would be right now if it weren't for him. But like, it would be interesting to rerun this poll and do it again um, in ten years because, you know, I think time has a way of altering perspective. It was an interesting juxtaposition to see Urban win this poll when then we also gave people like an open-ended question about what do you think of Urban, and like you could basically write whatever you wanted, and a lot of it was some different form of like complicated which makes sense given all that happened in his in his tenure here the good and the bad um but it was interesting to see that that he won sort of despite of all that although i suppose really everyone on this least the top three vocators you could say complicated for trestle and you could say complicated for woody as well but the one thing that i will say is the thing that trestle got ended up getting fired for is so stupid in retrospect yeah like at the time it was such a huge deal and i understand that he got um, forced to resign as a result of being or not completely honest or misleading or, or flat out lying to the NCAA, but it's just like lying to the NCAA to protect your players. Cause you know, if they get removed from the team, they're going to be in a bad spot for selling tattoos is so stupid, especially in the world where we're probably two or three years away from players being able to sign uh, or to profit off their likeness. Like it's mm-hmm. just like when you go back and think of like scandal, like when you put in perspective, like Jim Trestle's scandal, it's like nothing compared to like what's gone on at other programs and even at Ohio State in the time since. I think that one will probably, yeah, it'll probably age pretty well. Um, Trestle's, which again might factor into if we're living in a world where a guy trading something for a tattoo is like no big deal, then maybe Trestle wins something like this. Although I don't really think I don't I don't know how much Ohio State fans actually hold that against him. To be honest, like we pulled Ohio think- State fans, we don't pull fans nationally. I think if you polled Ohio State fans, Trussell would have the least significant off-the-field concern for them. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And I think Urban Meyer would probably have the most. 
Yeah, I mean, right or wrong, whatever you, whatever you think about. It. I know that some of the responses we got were that Urban was unfairly treated um, by the media in particular, and I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, well, I guess I do to some extent, but um, he brought a lot of it on too, just like with the way he was sometimes honest to a fault, fault and spoke his mind sometimes without really thinking about the consequences. And I suppose on some level you admire that, but it got him into, into some hot water sometimes, obviously. Right. Um, but there are some inconsistencies in, in um, just this poll in general. Didn't you say that like Ezekiel Elliott finished one place yeah. in the, yeah. What was that stat? It's just like, I don't uh, know what people are thinking sometimes. Favorite, favorite player of the urban era. Zeke beat Braxton Miller, but then favorite player of all time, Braxton beat Zeke, which like didn't make any sense. Yeah, and it, wasn't I don't like, know if just... it wasn't like one vote one way and one vote the other. It was like Zeke won by a fairly wide margin in the urban one, and then Braxton won by, I think, like maybe 15 or 20 votes in the all-time favorite player. Okay, here's the next one, and I think we're kind of running long here, Bill, so we'll just do two more. Um because we still got to do that draft, and I'm coming for your yeah. neck on that one. Let's do let's do the JT one, and then we'll do the quarterback one because that'll segue into the draft. Perfect. Okay. So, does Ohio State win a national championship in 2014 if JT Barrett does not get hurt? No. 63.9% said yes. 36.1% said. Uh, we've talked about this before, and my thought my thought on it is that they would have been good enough to beat either that Alabama or Oregon team with JT Barrett at quarterback, because I don't think either one of those teams was particularly good. Like they were good, but I don't think either one was like a juggernaut. And I think Ohio state was the better team than both of them. Even when they would be the, it would be the case if JT was still the quarterback. I don't know if they would have beat Wisconsin 59 to nothing with JT at quarterback. And because of that, I think I would answer no to this question. Yeah, that's a good point. I, uh, an offensive assistant from that team once said that Cardale Jones being the quarterback was the catalyst for their offense to explode in the playoff. So that was like the closest thing that I could say um, to um, that answer. And like, you just have to go with the person who gets paid to tell you what, you know, what's going on. So, but like, I also think that they would have beaten both uh, Alabama and Oregon that year with JT. Cause I just think they were head and shoulders better than those teams. And, like, if you go back and you watch, like, we remember fondly about uh, all those throws that Jay, or that Cardale was making. Like, I was watching the replay on YouTube during the quarantine of the Oregon game because it was the first time I watched it since we covered it live. And, like, Cardale was, like, throwing through windows and running all over the field and darting, you know, passes. And, you know, he did that against Wisconsin and he did it against Alabama. It's like, who is this guy? And I still think yeah. it's one of the craziest things for somebody to step into – such a pressured field situation and act like nothing was up. Like he didn't even like react to it. And I think there was something special or the makeup of Cardale. I think that's what I admire about him the most. Um, but he messed up quite a bit, <laughs> you know, too. Like Ohio State turned the ball over four times in the national championship game and Crazy. still won without like, I don't know if, if you went he back and looked. Back, he dropped back on one play and just dropped the ball. In the national I will bet you game. off the top of my head, Bill, that no team in the history of the national championship has turned the ball over five times. Was it five or four? I think it was four. Four times and won by double digits. Yeah, they still it was. They won by three scores, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I bet. You, I, I I would bet just blindly that that's never happened before. But I do think that 
Ohio State would have still been able to throw and run and do all the things that they did, and their defense was insane that year. So, you know, I, I think I would say no just because the coach said it, but I think my real opinion is that they would have won it with either. I think they could have won it with it, and I think that's the thing. Like, I do, I do agree. I think a Cardale unlocked something that was not there when JT was there. But I also think the offense they had when JT was there was good enough to win a national title that year. And I also buy into the fact that if JT only had one game of film, that like coaches didn't know how to necessarily prepare for him. Um, because in the playoff, and I and I I know that like you don't quite know what you're getting when somebody hasn't started all year. Could have had an, an impact on that, but I mean the guy played and made throws and was confident enough to do what he did. And of course, I think that that confidence. Here's a here's one question that I would like to ask you, Bill, just for fun. Okay. If JT Barrett doesn't get hurt in 2014, does Ohio State win the national championship in 15? God, that's a great question. Um, no, right? How awesome God, am I? That's such a good question. We should ask that one instead. I know. I might ask that on the Twitter yeah, poll for this. Uh. I think, yes, I think a large, I think the pressure, the overall pressure of trying to repeat got to the team in general in 2015, and maybe that would have come back to bite them anyway, but they panicked so early with that quarterback decision in the beginning of the season that I just think it was like, it was destined to go off the rails at some point, and the offense could never get on track, and if they had any kind of quarterback clarity in 2015, I think they would have won a national title, so I I think I would say yes. If I thought the team was talented enough to win it in 14 with JT, I think I would say the same thing about 15. Now, Bama was better in 15, I think. Uh, Clemson was not quite what it is now in 15. But that Bama team, I think, was better the second year around, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I think I would I think I would say yes. I think, I, And it's not, it's not about JT. It's about quarterback clarity more than anything. Yeah, no, I just uh, I put up a Twitter poll about the question because it's never it's never really been asked before. But I think that they would have won it if if they didn't win it in fourteen. I think they want would have won it in fifteen. I also think that once you accomplish um, winning at the highest level um, and you're at that age and you're good enough to go into the NFL, your mind starts thinking about your pro career just because you've already accomplished the pinnacle of it. And I I know that people love being back to back champions but i do think that if you win it once in your career then that's like good enough to remember everything you know i don't know that winning it more than once is ever really at the at the height of someone's to-do list and like mm-hmm. that entire team went to the nfl so like i think people probably started becoming more concerned with um personal gain and keeping their body healthy and you know all the things that come along with making this a profession that that i think it kind of just the team was just never locked in and it never really got locked in until after they lost to michigan state and you know, even then, I still think that Ohio State was the best team in college football that year. It just never came together. And I guess for all those coaches versus talent, you know, people out there, I guess that that was a uh, situation where talent did not pay off. So, um, but it, it did the year before. Okay, last one, Bill. Ready? Mm-hmm. Who will be Ohio State's starting quarterback in 2021? C.J. Stroud, 72.5%. Jack Miller, 227 Kyle McCord, 4.7%. The gap between Stroud and Miller is bigger than the gap between Miller and McCord. I was surprised by that. That's why I put that note in there. I, I, I figured C.J. Stroud would win and C.J. Stroud would be my pick, that he was 50 percentage points higher than Jack Miller, and Jack Miller was fewer than 20 percentage points higher than Kyle McCord. Uh was a little, little stark to me. Yeah, yeah. 
it's just like you would think that it'd be like 50, it'd be 40, 40, 20, or 45, 45, 10. Right. I thought it would have been close to a yeah, close to a split between Stroud and Miller, and then like nothing much at all for McCord. I mean, I think that the people who pick Stroud that makes sense because they're just reading the tea leaves of the way that those two players were recruited. Mm-hmm. And like Jack Miller is a very good football player, but I think that the idea that Ohio State went all in and getting Stroud after the fact is just a message to the fan base that Urban or being sorry that Ryan Day. I almost called him Urban because that's definitely what Urban would have done. Um, <laughs> just went after the guy that they wanted and like did it with reckless abandon and wasn't necessarily concerned about what that was going to mean for Jack. And that doesn't mean that Jack Miller can't start or is behind in the race or whatever. But like a lot of times, I think recruiting resu- um, happenings on the recruiting trail also have a way of impacting the way that we view players. It happens to me all the time. When kids come in, um, I think certain players have a chance to play earlier um, or do certain things in college based on the way that they were recruited. Then I don't know if that's a flaw of mine even. But the way that these kids were recruited, I think C.J. Stroud is the prudent pick right now. It's funny because only one of these guys is a five-star prospect. And for all intents and purposes, they're going to be kind of operating from an even level. Like Shroud and Miller will, will have had a year in the program, but neither one of them is getting a spring ball. And we'll assume that there's a season, and, one of, and they'll get reps during that season. But Kyle McCord... The gap and and experience, I guess, between those two guys and Kyle McCord is shortened a little bit because of the fact that we don't have spring football right now. And he is, if you go by recruiting rankings, like the most talented of the three. So I don't know. I've I've got a lot of questions, like mailbag questions and questions on the podcast. I think about like how the fact that there's no spring ball right now might impact the quarterback battle for 2021. Like, do you give Kyle McCord any more of a chance to be the starter in 2021 because of the fact that we don't have spring ball right now? I do. I do. Do you? A little bit. Not. I don't know a significant amount, but a little bit. Here's the reason why I don't think Kyle McCord will be the starting quarterback in 2021. Because if he is, then you're running off your two other quarterbacks. Yeah, because like, a uh, nuclear bomb will go off in your quarterback group. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I just think that, like, even if he has to be leaps and bounds better than the other two to win the job. I think if it's a tie, he loses the tie. I think if he's 2% better... He loses that. I, I I just don't know that Ryan Day can be put in a situation again where Ohio State um, doesn't have depth at that quarterback position. Like they got through one year, um, and ironically enough, uh, not that the backup would have played this year if they had a good backup, but Ohio State in part had a part, hard time winning that Clemson game because the quarterback got hurt. And it's just like Justin Fields plays a very aggressive brand of football, and I just like I. You always need a backup quarterback. Now, Justin Fields isn't going to be on the team when this becomes an issue, but like, there's no way that you could go with Kyle McCord as the starting quarterback and then not have Jack Miller or C.J. Stroud on the roster going into that year. And I think that's what would happen if that were to occur. So like to me, yeah. I think um, Kyle McCord is going to be the starting quarterback in 2023. Yes. I think. Unless the starter who... Um, takes over in 2021 as a three-year starter, um, which could be the case if they're not an NFL prospect. But um, I think that McCord would be a wonderful backup for a few years, uh, depending on how this all plays out. And, you know, here's the thing. Everything we're talking about, the future of quarterback in 2024, it's not going to happen that way because it never does. It never does. Um, but it's a nice thought. Yeah. All right. Let's do our draft. And, well, I think we'll exclude – 
quarterbacks from the conversation. Do you agree with that? Because Justin Fields, I think if we had him on the board, would go number one, and then like the other person, whatever. I just thought, I, I think removing the quarterback from the equation makes it more interesting. Why don't we just have all time quarterback Justin Fields? Yeah. Did you did you call okay. all time quarterback when you were a kid? We call it steady yeah all time quarterback. quarterback. We call Stay? it steady steady steady. No, steady it's all time quarterback yeah. out in Phoenix. Yeah. I was always the steady Q when I was younger because we played tackle and I was twice the size of everybody else and no one could tackle me, so I had to play quarterback because it was unfair. Being uh, being steady or all-time quarterback is the best thing for uh, playtime, flag, two-hand touch football with your friends because it involves the least amount of running and the most amount of action. I always thought too, like it was a pretty, it was a pretty big point of pride for me because I feel like the quarterback is always like kind of like the best guy. Like if people thought you were good enough to throw and make it a good game for both teams, I was like, yeah, this means I'm good. This isn't like a we're making you play this position because you suck. Like we're making you do this because we think you're the best person to do it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> also, like because I could just. I was the third team all state. I can put the ball wherever I wanted. Right? What does he I'll say? Throw, what does I'll he say in those mountains? <laughs> what does he say in um, um, Wedding Crashers? Do you remember that line? When he goes, okay, just drop it in and, and accidentally throw an interception. <laughs> I think I Vince Vaughn goes, I was, yeah. was all state. I can put the ball wherever I want it, baby. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, seven, so seven, how are we going to... Red 7, Red 7. Um, who's picking first? Well, I think normally if we were here in person, we would just do rock, paper, scissors, and then you would beat me anyway, so you can have the first pick. Unless, how about oh, we do I'll, rock, I'll, paper, I'll scissors? This. I'll let I'll let you choose if you want the first because we're gonna do it snake snake style. I'll let you choose if you want to the first pick or the next two picks. Okay. Um, I'll this is gonna be a second. way I think to talk about. This is gonna be a way to talk about the roster. I think we're doing ten okay. rounds. We're not picking full teams. If we pick full teams, we'll be here forever. But I think this will be a fun exercise to see like who we think are the twenty best players on the team right now. Okay, so are you going to record this? Because I'm not going to record it. I'm writing it down. I got it all. Okay, set. write it down. Big, I got my big I, board here. I got the draft board okay. here. Okay, go. Um, I will pick second. You'll pick second. Okay, but I'll I do kind of want to like do the uh, rock paper scissors digitally to see if you're on the honor system. Okay, so let's just do rock paper scissors, and then you, and then instead of saying shoot, tell me what you're what you do, and we'll see who wins. Okay. At the same time, ready? Okay. Yeah. Rock. Rock paper. Ready? Yeah. Rock. Rock. Paper. Paper. Scissors. 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 Rock. I lost. Okay. So yeah. that's it. You were a little delayed there, though. You're wrong. This is the honor system. It's hard to do over the internet. You know what I mean? That was probably good podcasting, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure people are Okay. All right. That. So you're first. Go ahead, Bill. Wyatt Davis. Okay. That's not what I would have picked. And I just got my two players I wanted. Okay. Chris Olave and Sean Wade. Yeah. Well, I think... Here's why I picked Wyatt Davis. One, because I'm an offensive line homer. Two, I think he's the best football player on the roster. And, like, obviously, especially in a spring game setting, like, offensive line play doesn't matter all that much. I don't think that's what we're doing here. I think we're just trying to talk about who we think are the best players on the team. And we're I not think putting Wyatt together Davis. a team that is competing. We're trying to take the 10. Or who can get the most value of the top 20 players? Although I will, if you give me the opportunity, put Wyatt Davis, a quarterback, in a heartbeat. But I think he is. I think he's the best football player on the roster. And I think the two guys you took after him, Chris Olave and Sean Wade, are numbers two and three. That's how I had it here on my big board. And that's what I would have done. If you had number one, who would you have taken? Sean Olave. You would have taken Wade? Okay, then I would have taken Davis and Olave. Yeah. I think that these are the top three players on the team. Yeah. 
And I think where it goes from here gets interesting. And I'm going to try to stick to my, I think this guy, I'm going to try to stick to who I think are the best players on the team. So with my next pick, I'm going to take Josh Myers. Okay. And I know I'm taking offensive linemen. And then I think I think it gets tougher from there. I think like those are like four very obvious kind of. But best now you pick twice, Bill. Outside of Justin Fields, no, I know, I know. Okay. And I'm I'm I don't know where I want to go because I have some high opinions on guys that I think I might be able to wait on for another pick or two. So I'm gonna take Garrett Wilson. Okay, that's who I was gonna take because I, I like skill, but I think that right now. Thayer Munford is a very good value pick, and I know that he's been banged up, but we're talking about a potential three-year starter at left tackle who's an NFL draft pick, and I do think that he belongs. I I think it's interesting because you're the offensive line guru. Um, I think it's interesting that you think he's the third best offensive lineman, and Mm -hmm. you know, considering the fact of what um, is happening over at uh, right tackle right now between Petit Friere and Paris Johnson, maybe he might even be the fourth best, Um, but am I off on that? It's like I think I think Wyatt Davis might be a first rounder, and I think that Josh Myers, like at worst, is a second rounder when both those guys come out. And I don't know if Thayer is quite that high, and maybe part of it is because of his injury history. But I think Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers are more talented than Thayer. I think Thayer's very good, and if he's healthy, he'll be an All Big Ten offensive lineman, maybe an All American. I don't think he's quite that level, but I think Davis and Myers are better. But like where I took him makes sense, right? Uh, I had him a little farther down, but I, I, not much farther. Okay, great. <laughs> um, and then I, um, I'm, I'm like considering two different people here, and I just don't know how far I want to reach, like reaching for young talent, or am I thinking about like potentially um, where I would put people on my draft board? But I also want to stab you in the heart a little bit. <laughs> and I think I'm going to take Pete Warner next. Oh, that's a good pick. I was I, I had I had Pete eyed up. I was gonna take him. I think I would have taken him next. I think I would have taken him with one of my next two picks. That was good. I don't think yeah. how how I took that aside, to spite you more than I thought it. Right. That's what I was gonna ask. Aside aside from you stabbing me in the back and taking a guy I wanted to take, like how good do you actually feel about that pick in terms of where he stacks up on the roster? I think he I think he stacks up in the top seven. Um where are we right now? What what overall pick was that? Was that six? That was the seventh pick. Or seven? I think yeah. that's exactly where I would put him on my list. I think that people like to give him crap, but the way that you have explained um his versatility and the way he plays both in coverage and, and plays that bullet position. Um, I think is uh, very underrated, and I agree with the fact that he has gotten more flack than he deserves and is actually one of the better players on the team. I had him ninth on my big board, but I think I would have taken him with my next two picks because I would have assumed you were going to do it. So I can't take him. This is the eighth overall pick, my fourth pick. I'm going to take seven banks because I think he's ready to explode this year. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm basing a lot of that off of like one practice and maybe I shouldn't be basing a lot of watching one practice, but it's based yeah, over Proctor is interesting. It's based off of practice, the practice we saw and just like watching him move around a little bit. I thought he played well in the moments he got last year. I think I take into account 
how guys talk about their teammates. And people have been talking up Seven Banks really since he's been on campus. I think he physically looks the part. And I also think like while he was not the highly highest rated guy in his recruiting class, part of that was impacted, if I'm not mistaken, by injury during his high school career. And I think he would have been a higher rated player coming out. I like him a lot. Like if there's if we're making a list of like guys who haven't played much or you'd buy buy the most stock in, I think and like not including freshmen in that because everyone gets excited about freshmen, I think I might have seven banks on the top of that list. Even more so than Proctor. Yes. I'm down a little more on Proctor based off what I saw in the Fiesta Bowl, and maybe that's unfair because I think he was put in a tough spot, and I've said that before. But I am I, I'm not on like the Malik Hooker's waiting to, to explode this year train with Josh Proctor. I think he could be very good. I have, like I have no reason to think that he won't be good, but I am a little more bullish, I think, on a guy like Seven Banks. And I have okay. another pick. So I'm taking Seven Banks, yeah. and I will take I'll take Zach Harrison. God! Oh, man. I thought I was going to get a steal. Oh, man. I almost didn't take him. I considered taking somebody else. Um, God, I thought that like getting him at nine would have been crazy. Yeah, well, it, there's like there's projection baked into that, right? Like he didn't he played a significant amount last year for a true freshman. I don't know if he really flashed. There were moments where he was pretty good. He started against Clemson, and I I don't think that's a small thing. But I don't think I don't think he showed up as a freshman the way that Nick Bosa and Chase Young showed up as freshmen. So I'm I'm a little more reserved on Zach Harrison. I think there was a time if we were to if we were to talk about this roster. Last year, and like trying to project forward, I think Zach Harrison might have gone much earlier than he just went at number nine overall. But I think that that is exactly like that is the perfect pick right there. Like if if like both of us are locked in on him at that point, I think that's like it couldn't have gone any lower than that. Yeah. All right, you get two picks. Okay, now I'm going future here. Ready? Mm-hmm. And this is tough, but I'm not going to draft any freshman. I don't think true freshman. I'm and I don't know if that's that. the right way. To... But just for the sake of who the top 20 players on the roster are, I have a hard time just saying a freshman is because he had a, a lot of stars in his profile. Yeah. You know who else had a lot of stars? My next pick. Uh, jo- um, hmm. I'm actually kind of having a second thought on whether I should take him right I now. I don't know if you're going to say – if you're going to say who you – I think you were just going to say. My mind's going to be blown. I stopped myself, so just – Give me a minute here. I get two picks, so um, let yeah. me. Um, this is this is important stuff here, man. I'm going to take Josh Proctor because I I okay. think that there's a value in that. Um, in terms of not agreeing necessarily with what you said about what I saw in the Fiesta Bowl, I think considering the fact that he was put in that position against what would be the toughest possible matchup in the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, thinking of like the receivers they have on that team, and yes, T. Higgins did get injured for a few, but playing perhaps the best quarterback in college football or one of the top three best quarterbacks at the very least, and those receivers, like, yeah, he had some issues and you know maybe a breakdown or two here that might have cost Ohio State the game, putting it bluntly. But in terms of like who I think he can be, like I think that like he absolutely could be Jordan Fuller, and I think that he has a higher ceiling than that athletically. And like to get him at number ten, I think is just kind of a great, great price. That's good value. Yeah, um, and I just I think I'm going to back out of my pick because um, 
it just doesn't feel right yet, and I'm just going to kind of let like put the ball in your court. Who did you think I was going to take? I don't want to say because I don't want to influence your. <laughs> okay. I heard I heard the J sound come out of your mouth and thought you were going to take Jonathan Cooper. No, I'm not taking him at all. Okay. No, 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 no. Um. Nicholas Petit Freer. Good pick. Do you think I was going to say Javante Jean Baptiste? Yeah, I mean there are a couple other. Jays that's your. That, that sense. But that's your. That's your guy. I wouldn't. I. I. I wanted to stab you, but I'm not going to stab you that hard. I didn't have Nick Petit. I made a I made a twenty player big board. I did not have Nick Petit on there. I didn't have another off, offensive lineman on there. Out of, oh no, I'm lying. I have another one, but I don't think I'm going to take him. Um, did not have Nick Petit on there. Did not have Parrish Johnson on there. But um, those guys are. Or, I mean, those those are the two names to know for the right tackle spot. I think Nick Petit would probably win it. Um, but I think Parrish Johnson has as good a chance as any true freshman would of winning a starting job. But I like Nick Petit. I would think I would take Nick Petit maybe ahead of Parrish Johnson right now too. Well, like if you don't think that the right tackle is a top twenty player on the team, because like when you start close. thinking about top twenty player, we're talking about just starters here, <laughs> twenty two starters. So like the fact that you don't have him in that list, I think it would be concerning for Ohio State's offensive line projection. Yeah, I have a couple of young guys on my, in my top twenty who, like, realistically, maybe shouldn't be on there. So I think I would consider whoever wins that job to be a top twenty starter. But because there isn't any like clarity on who it's going to be, maybe that's why I didn't do it. And I have I, there's this one is or about two guys, projection, Bill. There's one or two guys on my list on my big board who maybe shouldn't be on there because they're young that are taking up the spot of a guy like Nick Petit. Okay, your turn, Tommy Togiai. Yep. I think he's a stud nose tackle. I think it's hard for defensive tackles at Ohio State to really shine through sometimes because of how much they rotate. But I also believe they'll rotate less and will grow to appreciate exactly what Tommy Togiai is a little more this mm-hmm. year because he'll play some more snaps. There's just not as much depth there as there has been in the past. So I like Togiai a lot. And then I got a lot of defense, but that's where I'm at right now. Um, torn between two guys. I know exactly who I'm taking next if – Torn between two, know. both are defensive players. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Baron Browning. Fair enough. And this is Baron Browning removed from the shackles of playing out of playing middle linebacker in his natural habitat on the outside a little more as a pass rusher. Me believing everything they were saying about him when we were actually you know, engaged in spring practice. That Baron Browning, I think, is is certainly a top this is the thirteenth pick. I think that kind of Baron Browning is a top fifteen player on the roster. You know what I'm I'm struggling with here, Bill? Depth at a position and trying to pick who the top twenty players on the team are. Yeah, I think try to separate yourself from the fact that like like you took Sean Wade and like we could have taken a run on corners if we were actually picking rosters because yeah. corners so deep. I think I think try to separate yourself from that and just like go down a list and picking who you think the best football players are. Okay, so I know who my back to back picks are. I don't know exactly which one I'm going to take, but I'm going to take Trey Sermon here. Ooh, and I don't know like if this is like an appropriate time to take him because he's never put on the uniform yet. But I do think there's a chance he can rush for 1,500 yards, and if Ohio State is a 1,500-yard rusher, getting him in the low teens is a pretty solid value play, I think. And I don't even know if he was on your list or if that's cheating. So it's tell me not if it cheating. is. 
it's not cheating. He's on the roster. It's not cheating. We're projecting to next year. I was not going. I am not going to take a running back. Yeah, and that was more like a comment. I think on like where I think that position is right now. It's not that I think it's awful, but I think it's down the list of of secure positions. So I would not have taken one. I'm, what I'm pick did I just have? Did I just have that was the fourteenth overall pick? Fourteenth overall. Fourteenth overall pick. Certainly. I'll take that. I'll take him all day. And then fifteen is Jeremy Ruckert. That's also an interesting pick. Yeah, that one-handed catch he had in the uh, Big Ten Championship games uh, got my head swirling a little bit. Very talented. I think uh, I think Luke Farrell is a more complete tight end than Ruckert is. That's why Rucker, I made the comment, though. I just yeah. made about like depth yeah. of the position. Like Luke Farrell might be like one of the best tight ends in the country, but like when I'm talking best, I think Jeremy Ruckert. Like I would want to buy stock in him. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would buy stock. I would buy stock in him too. I think I like that pick. I'm. I'm. I. I don't think you're off base with either one. I'm surprised you took them now at the point you took them. I don't know if I would have taken either guy. Um, all right, it's back to me. I have two more, and then you have two more to close it out. Uh, I am going to take Tyreek Smith. Yep. Who I'm a little surprised you haven't taken. Injury. And yeah, I think I think in this I know we're, we we're separating it from it, but I don't think we've seen – what I thought we would see from him by now. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And maybe I'm a little high on him here taking him 16 because there's some other guys on this list that I haven't taken that I like a lot. And then, um, hmm, this is a tough position. I think I might start getting into a, like a little bit of uh, I'm buying a lot of stock in this guy more than I am saying I think he's one of the best players on the team right now. Okay. And whew, I'm going to go with – Man, I'm torn between two. I'm gonna go with Jamison Williams. God. Yeah. Oh. I, thought you, I thought you might have an eye on him. Yeah. No, I did. Yeah, I like guys. I got every like time. I can't. <laughs> I can't get the story you wrote about him out of my head and how he's a little Ted Ginn. And then who did you? T- who was the old receiver coach you talked to? Daryl Hazel. And he was like, "Yep, that's Ted Ginn. Yep, that's exactly Teddy Ginn." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "All right, I'm on board." Guy runs hurdles so. like a gazelle. So I mean, it just. He's fast. I think he might be the fastest player on the team. Yes, and we saw the the brief glimpse of it. I guess it was against Miami, Ohio. So how much stock did he put into it? But he looked like on, like he was on another level when he got into the open field and ran for that long touchdown. I also like him as a as a potential returner too. I hope he gets that opportunity this year. All right, you have two picks. I said I wasn't going to take a freshman. I'm not, which is why I'm upset because that was the young receiver I wanted stocking. And it's like you're crafty, you know, just like letting yeah. you sneak around a little bit is kind of tough. Okay, I'm going to take Harry Miller. Good pick. I almost took it. He was the other one I was torn on. Yeah, Harry Miller um, I think is a very solid value pick right now, and I'm also going to take Cameron Brown. Another good pick. Because um, I think both him and Seven Banks are both going to play this year. Yep. I think Cam, I liked what I saw out of Cameron Brown in the, in the time in which he got into the games this year. And when we're talking – this point like is he going to be and i don't know if i'm thinking about this the wrong way because they're rotational players but like is cameron brown like one of the three worst starters there are on the team i i wouldn't think that so no um and i don't think that and i think that harry miller has a lot of star potential 
I agree. I think he is like a he's a, a Pat Elfline, Billy Price kind of mold. I think he'll be at that level, but before his career ends, all American kind of offensive lineman. Yeah, and I thought about taking him instead of Jamison Williams, but I took. I'm glad that that taking Jamison needled you a but little. bit. If you would have taken this. Harry, I would have taken Jamison. So I think the yeah. point of what we're doing here, we're on the same page on that. Yeah. Okay. My last pick. I am going to take a freshman because I just want to make the point that I think this dude's the real deal, and I think he's going to be the best freshman receiver next year. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah. My last pick. Yeah. And I've said that before. I just like to hammer the point home to the point that it becomes nauseating. So he's my last pick, and maybe that's crazy. But I think he's the best one of the group. I think he's the most ready to contribute as a freshman of all the guys who came in this year. So now that we have the list down, I'm I'm interested because you're more of a pen to paper notebook next to you during the podcast kind of guy, and I'm just kind of like the guy who spews and print yeah. shit out of my mouth for an hour. <laughs> but is there anybody on your big board that we didn't draft? Yeah, there. Uh, I had Julian Fleming, and I was like kind of curious to see where this went, and I think there was a run on freshman that maybe I'd grab him. Um, but I had Haskell Garrett on there. didn't take him. Luke Farrell, who we discussed, I think is, is certainly worthy of being in this conversation. Uh, and Teron Vincent, who has been hurt, but I think he's a former five-star defensive tackle that people are really excited to see. I think he would have been a reasonable pick if we were ta- taking top 20. And then I had some names off of the side who weren't necessarily on my big board, but just like names I had down in case, in case like, you totally railroaded me and took all my picks that I wanted. Uh, Demario. And maybe that's just me. I watched the the Florida Atlantic game uh, yesterday, and he was good for the f- first four minutes, and I got excited. <laughs> I saw your tweets. Uh, Paris Johnson and Taraja Mitchell were the other ones I had written down here. I had no running backs of all. I probably had thirty ish names written down, did not have a running back on the piece of paper. So, did you actively chose not to put Sermon down, or did you overlook him because he's not on the not here yet? No, no. I think Sermon was fair game. I just wasn't going to pick a running back. I think that I I don't I would not consider any of those players I think among the top, and I, I guess it was top ten. I don't think they're so far removed. I think if we were doing a fifteen round draft, I would have picked one. Um, but because I just think there's a, lo- a lot of unknown with all those guys, I don't I don't. But I that's the fun. One. No, it is the fun. Yeah, and I don't I don't think you were wrong for picking them. And if you think if you think Trey Sermon is gonna have a fifteen hundred yard season, then you just got a hell of a pick at the fourteenth overall selection. In, in the yeah, draft. yeah. Yeah, no, and I, where were you going to take DeWan Jones? I don't think I would have taken DeWan Jones. If we were doing a 30-round draft, maybe. And that's not a shot at DeWan Jones, just like he's not going to be a starter next year. Um, I just thought, like, basketball we taking, versus football versatility. If we were doing a basketball draft, I might take him in the top five. Ohio State needs a big <laughs> man, and there's a, and there's a very big man on campus who's good at basketball. I think uh, if you put right. these side to side that and you put a poll of, like, who won, I think it'd be 50-50. Yeah, so if you're playing along at home, and I hope to God you're still listening, uh, I had Wyatt Davis, <laughs> Josh Myers, Garrett Wilson, Seven Banks, Zach Harrison, Tommy Togiai, Baron Browning, Tyreek Smith, Jamison Williams, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Ari's 10 were Chris Olave, Sean Wade, Thayer Munford, Pete Werner, Josh Proctor, Nick Petit, Trey Sermon, Jeremy Ruckard, Harry Miller, and Cam Brown. And feel free to tweet at either one of us, at Ari Wasserman or at Bill Landis 25 and tell us who you think had the best team or if we totally overlook somebody or if we're dumbasses for drafting the way we drafted because that's why we do stuff like this, for you to tell us how wrong we are. And it's fun. I do hope they're still listening too, but Bill, it's been an hour and 13 minutes, so you want to do your yeah. thing? <laughs> yeah, I'll do my thing. Or, listen, I will, Joe Piznanski does a podcast for The Athletic where he like talks to TV stars and it's like four hours long. We're okay to go to an hour and 15 minutes sometimes. I think, I think uh, you know, hopefully John Hayes isn't poking his eyes out with needles right now as he's listening to us and has, having to produce this, but we will wrap up there. 
Uh, thank you so much for listening to four to six with a and B. We will remind you, please uh, subscribe to the athletic. If you're not subscribed, we have a, a 90 day free trial going on right now. You can also get 40% off a subscription. If you go to the athletic.com slash four dash six, please subscribe rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We could use uh, some more reviews on, on Apple in particular. We get some five stars trickling in every now and then, but, but anything you guys can do to help us build our profile there would be greatly appreciated. And I think I speak for Ari when I just say thank you very much for staying engaged with us both on the podcast and in the written form on the athletic uh, we really appreciate it and we know that that the world's kind of a, a strange place right now and we're only hope to be a, a little bit of a distraction for you and, and we appreciate you guys being along for the ride so ferrari i'm bill we'll catch you guys next week <music>